Our scripture text for today is found in the book of Acts, chapter 3, beginning at the first verse. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and a man crippled from birth was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple called the Beautiful Gate, so that he would ask for alms from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. Peter looked intently at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Stand up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he stood and he began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who used to sit asking for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. We need a dramatic move of God in our land today. I think that our nation is filled with exhausted, frustrated, angry people. We need God to do something new in our nation. You and I can be instruments of this great change that we want God to bring about in our land. You and I, as Christ followers, can teach the world around us how to love. Those of us who have experienced the love of God in Jesus Christ should be able to display to the world around us by the way we live what it means to love our neighbor. C.S. Lewis, the great defender of the Christian faith of the last century, one time wrote in a sermon entitled The Weight of Glory that next to the blessed sacrament itself, your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. As Christians, we believe that every human being is created in the image of God. That's why when we have contempt for another human being, that is very close to idolatry for us because that other human being bears the image of God. We believe that every human being is a person for whom Christ died. We know the great dignity that God has invested in human beings. We know the great love that God has for human beings. And we should show that by the ways that we treat our neighbors, all the people that we encounter. We have great power to bring about great change in the world around us. Jesus said many startling things when he was teaching here on this earth. I think one of, the, one of the most startling things that Jesus said, he said in the upper room on the evening of his betrayal, 
It's recorded for us in John chapter 14, verse 12. And that's where we find Jesus saying this, Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. If we stopped right there, that would be an amazing statement for us. But that's not where Jesus stops. He said, very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and in fact will do greater works than these. Of course, the works that we do in this world are not greater in quality than what Jesus did during his almost three years of ministry on this earth, but they're greater in quantity. When Jesus was doing ministry there in Judea and Galilee for almost three years, he was very limited by geography, time, and space. But now that Pentecost has happened, now that Jesus Christ has sent His Spirit to dwell in His people, we are all over the globe. Today, there are 2.3 billion Christ followers in the world. People who claim the name of Christ. Can you imagine the change that would come to planet Earth if all 2.3 billion Christ followers truly allowed the Spirit of the living Christ to dwell in them and live through them, dwell in us and live through us? The text that I read for you a few moments ago shows the great power that we have as Christ followers. This morning, we are here in the book of Acts. That's the fifth book of the New Testament. That is the book of history that we find in the New Testament. After the first four Gospels in the book of Acts, we see the life of the earliest Christian community following the ascension of Christ and the gift of Pentecost. Here in the book of Acts, we see, I suspect, the Acts of the Apostles. That's what we usually call it. But in reality, we basically see the acts of Peter and Paul, a few others mixed in. I prefer to see the book of Acts as the acts of the Holy Spirit. The acts of the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit lives through the followers of Jesus. The book of Acts displays for us how Jesus continues his work, continues his miracles through us through Christ's followers. In the text I read for you a few moments ago in Acts chapter 3, we saw that as good Jews, Peter and John went up to the temple at one of the set times of prayer. As they were going up to the temple, they encountered a cripple, a cripple that had been placed there at the beautiful gate to beg for alms. The beautiful gate was the Nicanor gate. It was the gate in the temple that led between the court of the Gentiles into the court of women. So many people passed by that spot. It was a prime spot to ask for alms. And in the Jewish faith and then in the Christian faith, almsgiving, giving to relieve the suffering of this world is a core practice. So this cripple was placed there by the gate called Beautiful. And the cripple saw Peter and John coming in, and the cripple asked Peter and John for alms. 
But I hope you heard what Peter said to the crippled man. I hope that you heard what Peter said to the crippled man. What Peter said to the crippled man before the crippled man was healed has been something that has haunted me throughout my ministry. Peter looked at the man there at the gate and said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Stand up and walk. Peter says he has no silver or gold, but obviously he has power. He has the power of the living Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit residing in him, Peter. And it is this living Christ, the power of the Spirit, that heals this crippled man. And here we see in this text that Peter says they don't have money, but they have power. There are times in the Christian community today I think we have money, but we do not have power. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist revival movement, said that one of his greatest fears was not that the people called Methodists would cease to exist, but they would lose their power. They would have the form of godliness without the power thereof. They would have the fireplace, but not the fire in the fireplace. So every time I hear Peter say to the person there at the gate, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. I am haunted by the fact that perhaps we have the financial resources but we're not exercising the power that God is offering to the world through us. So through Peter, Jesus healed this person at the gate here in this text. Here we're seeing how the early Christian community continued the ministry of Jesus through the spirit of Jesus. And you see here how the story ended. And he, Peter, took the crippled man by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. This was a sign that the messianic kingdom had arrived and that God's power to heal was let loose in the world. Friends, we have more power than we realize. When I served the church as a district superintendent, which meant that I was in an administrative position helping to lead 167 churches in this area and helping our bishop to make appointments to deploy our clergy throughout this conference, I frequently was reminded at that point in my ministry that I had more influence than I usually was comfortable using. Friends, you and I have more power than we realize. Perhaps it's more power than we are comfortable in using. We have great power as as Jesus here in this post-Pentecostal reality, continues to live through his people. 
And we exercise this power through both prayer and action. We need to be people who pray audacious prayers. Audacious prayers that will let loose the healing, reviving spirit of God into the world. We ought to be people of audacious prayer and people of audacious action. I think in the American church we have created this false dichotomy between a life of prayer and a life of action. I know that every time there's a terrible event in the United States and people respond by saying, I will offer my, my thoughts and my prayers, some people get angry with that because they think that offering thoughts and prayers somehow precludes the offering of action. But in the Christian faith, those are two sides of the same coin. The contemplative life and the active life are dependent upon each other. It's through prayer that we change history. We believe that about prayer. It's through prayer that we change ourselves and we change circumstances and we can recreate reality. But it's also as people of prayer that we go forth into the world to allow God to use us to help bring about answers to those prayers that we pray. So it's a false dichotomy to think that prayer and action do not go together. You know the story of Martha and Mary in the scriptures? There was Martha busy working in the kitchen and there was Mary seated at the feet of Jesus absorbing what Jesus had to say. We need both Martha and Mary's in the church. We need to have both a Martha side and a Mary side to our lives. Mother Teresa, that great saint of the modern era, exhibited this in remarkable ways. She was a great, great person of deep prayer and worship and a great, great person of audacious action. Mother Teresa used to say, I meet Jesus at least twice each day, first in the Eucharist, prayer of Holy Communion, and then in the lives of the poor. She was a person that blended both audacious praying and audacious acting for the sake of the world. We have more power residing in us at our disposal than we are using. We need to attempt great things for God. We need to seek great things from God. Reese Howells was a great Welsh Christian of the 20th century, the early part to the middle part of the 20th century. He was a product of the Welsh revival of 1904-1905. He went forth into the world as a missionary. He returned to Wales and he created a very powerful Bible college there in Wales. And then Reese Howells became known as a leader in the prayer movement of his day. He became known as a leading intercessor in his day. And beginning in the 1930s, he started raising up people to pray against Adolf Hitler and the rise of Nazism. Reese Howells knew that through prayer and fasting, we can influence history. So he got people, then more people, praying against the power that was present in Adolf Hitler and in Nazism. 
it was 76 years ago today that the invasion of Normandy began, D-Day. And as a result of that invasion of Normandy, 425,000 people were killed and wounded or ended up missing. But I truly believe that when they invaded Normandy, when the Allies went forth, that was the beginning of the end for Adolf Hitler and Nazi Germany. I think that D-Day and the end of Adolf Hitler and Nazi Germany in many ways was the result of praying people like Reese Howells, who was praying against the power and the principalities that were living in Adolf Hitler and through his ideology. We have great, great power at our disposal, and we need to so abandon ourselves to God that we are willing to use this power for the sake of God. You have more power than you realize. Last week was Pentecost, and we celebrated the descent of the Holy Spirit to empower the people of Jesus. And I asked you a question last week, and I hope you've been contemplating this question throughout the week. As a Christ follower, you have the Holy Spirit. So now the question becomes, does the Holy Spirit have you? Are you willing to allow the Spirit of Christ to change the world through you? Are you willing to be the change that we need to see in the world? God wants to work through us in both natural and supernatural ways. Today we are beginning a new sermon series for June and July entitled, The Lord of the Impossible. We need to trust God for great things. We need to seek God for great things. We need to be willing to be used by God to accomplish great things. We, you, have the power to make people's lives better, just like Peter and John did in this text with the crippled man there at the gate called Beautiful. For God's sake, literally for God's sake, may we use that power to change the world. Amen.